Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. So good to see you guys this morning. Yeah. Um, so good to see what our team in, uh, in Kenya is accomplishing too, huh? I was, you guys seen the pictures on Facebook? You seen what they're doing? I mean, you see that huge crowd of people at Forward Church, Nairobi? You see Clint up there uh, teaching and preaching, and I'm sure he had an interpreter. I saw him with a suit and tie. I thought, man, that's, that's, moving, that's moving out of the comfort zone just a little bit, isn't it? But uh, oh, it was so good. It was so good to see Caitlin and Tracy and Courtney all ministering to those people, sharing with them the goodness of God's love. And, uh, you know, I know from their heart to yours, they'd want to say uh, thank you for making it possible for them to be in, in Kenya right now. And uh, what an amazing thing. Whenever we're able to support people that go there when we can't go there and we're supporting them in prayers and financially, then we're going there too, you know. We're going there too. Well, this morning I wanted to talk a little bit about a, a not-so-popular subject but uh, it's something that I think that we, we probably all suffer with in some form or fashion. Let me ask you this. Did you know that you could see a miracle and still have a hardened heart? Yeah. You can see a miracle and still have a hardened heart. And uh, the Lord brought that true to me several, several times and continues to do so. I always say, you know what? The reality is every one of us got junk in a trunk somewhere. We all have to deal with it, and, uh, and that includes everyone. Even if I brought my Pope hat in, I would still have junk in the truck. No, I was, that's what Jeff, Jeff said next time I preached I was supposed to bring my Pope hat in. He wanted that, so Copey the Popey will come back next time. Um, several years ago, there was a... Uh, a call to pray for a sick man. He was at St. Joseph's Hospital. He was in ICU. Uh, me and a couple of guys uh, got together. A preacher went down, and you know I had my anointing oil, and we went into St. Joseph's, and we went back into the ICU, and and we went to praying for the man, and we went to praying for him in earnest. And uh, as we were done, there was a lady next door, and you know how the ICU rooms are kind of connected. You know they're almost right there together. And she had seen us praying for this person. This lady was a lady from Chattanooga, and they had brought her husband down from Chattanooga because uh, he was in some sort of coma and he wasn't expected to live. And the lady came to us and said, "I know I don't know you, but I saw you praying, and I heard you praying in the name of Jesus, and I heard you praying in power, and would you please come and pray for my husband? And, you know, what are we going to say? No, I'm sorry, we don't do that. Yes, we do. We have an opportunity presented to us to bring forth the kingdom of heaven. So uh, our team went in, we anointed the guy with oil, and he was, he was in the coma, was still in the coma when we left out, but we were fully expecting, I think some of us were fully expecting, that he would wake up. In three days' time, when the guy that we prayed for originally, uh, we got an update from, from his family, found out in three days' time, that man woke up from his coma. They took him off life support, and they sent him home over that weekend. He was 100% made well. He was 100% made whole because the power of God operated. Now, I was amazed I was blessed, but I was also shocked. Because <laughs> deep inside me, I said, I'm praying, I'm believing, I know it's going to happen, but yeah, I was still shocked when I saw the power of God move. And the Lord revealed to me that, you know what, you saw a miracle, but you still have part of your heart that's hardened. Yeah, it usually goes over like that. <laughs> um. I was still friends with a guy who took a group of young people down to Mexico. And here's another story of how you can see a miracle in your heart still be hardened. He took a team of uh, missionaries, young people, uh, down to Mexico, right across from uh, Texas into Mexico. And they had a plan to feed this, this, this small village. And they had uh, put together a plan to, uh, to feed 200 people 
with spaghetti. They had spaghetti noodles, spaghetti sauce. They had the bowls. They had everything that they needed. Well, the word got out after they had ministered down there at this little village, and they were feeding the, 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 the hungry, and the kids were coming in. The word got out that there were Americans there, and they were feeding the hungry. So it, this word spread from this village to this village to this village. You remember Barry? Barry said when they got there that night to serve spaghetti that they had over 600 people there. There were over 600 people that showed up to get a spaghetti dinner. And Barry, being the man of faith that he was and is, he prayed over that spaghetti. He said, Lord, we're here to serve, and we're doing it with our, with our hearts and joy. And do you know that every one of those kids got fed, and the very last kid that got there took the very last ladle of spaghetti sauce? That's a modern-day miracle of multiplication, right? That happened, but who wants to, who wants to sit there and go, I, that shocked me. That shocked me that God did that. I can't believe that God did that. You can see a miracle and still have a hardened heart. Andrew Womack tells a story about uh, he administered in a group and had seen some amazing, amazing miracles. In fact, seen a guy raised from the dead. And he tells a story that he was going to his next meeting and he got so excited because he was standing to preach right there on the front row. There was a man in a wheelchair. He couldn't wait to get finished preaching and have the altar call because he knew, I just saw a man get raised from the dead. I'm going to go over here and pick this man up and say, walk in the name of Jesus. Well, Andrew preached, and he preached faster. And for a slow-talking Texan boy like that, it, it, was, it was tough for him to <laughs> preach fast. He preached faster and got through the, with, the, uh, with his message, had the praise team come up and goes over and picks this guy up and says, walk in the name of Jesus, pulls the guy out of the chair, and boom, he fell flat on his face. And you know that giant sucking sound in the room? <gasps> That's what he experienced. So he picked this man up, and he prayed for him, be warm and filled, and put him back in, bear hugged, big guy, bear hugged this guy, put him back in his wheelchair. And he says as he was meditating and praying to God, uh, he was asking, why was it? Why was it that, that I could have seen a man raised from the dead, and yet I was in faith. I, you don't pull a guy out of a wheelchair that you're not in faith about. I was in faith. I went to pick out that guy of the wheelchair, and I couldn't see him be healed. What's the difference? What's the difference? So he struggled with that for a while, and he read a story from Smith Wigglesworth. How many of you have heard Smith Wigglesworth? You know who he is, right? Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber over in, um, in England, was not a highly educated man, but he was a man of the word. He wouldn't even let the newspaper come into his to his house because he only wanted the word of God in his house. And this is a guy who had amazing uh, miracles that took place in his ministry. And this fellow would come up and, and say, I would, I would promise you this, God will heal, heal the first one that comes up to, to this podium to demonstrate to everyone that the God we serve is a God of power and love. So there was a woman that came into his meeting, Smith Wigglesworth meeting, and she had a, had a tumor in her stomach, and it was the size of a soccer ball. And the, the lady was able to, the nurses put, pulled her up to the stage, right, got her to the stage, and Smith said, be healed in Jesus' name, and punched her in the gut. And the woman fell down, and he said, pick her up. And the second time, he got her, be healed in Jesus' name, punched her in the gut. Uh, and the woman fell down in writhing agony and pain on that, on that platform. Somebody yelled out from the audience, you brute, leave the woman alone. He said, I know my business with God. You take care of your own business. So he said, pick the woman up. Pick her up one more time. They picked her up, and Smith hit her again in the stomach. I trust he was being led by the Lord. I don't think I'd hit somebody like that unless I was being led by the Lord. But he hit her in the stomach the third time, and the tumor disappeared. Poof. And he said, now, I bring that story into play because as Andrew was meditating, trying to figure out why was it that I could see someone raised from the dead but get someone here in a wheelchair, I couldn't have faith, I couldn't have the, uh, doubt or unbelief was filling my head, what was going on? And the Lord revealed to him that Smith Wigglesworth was more focused in magnifying the Lord's promises and truth and less on the sucking sound in the room of people being focused on the natural. So you can be 
working in miracles and still have a hardened heart, right? And in no truer way that was that uh, exemplified than in Mark chapter 6. And in Mark chapter 6, starting around verse 44 and change, um, the disciples had just seen uh, Jesus feed the 5,000. Now, back then, uh, women and children didn't count, so they only counted the men, right? So it was really probably like fifteen to 20,000 people that Jesus fed in that whole thing. And what's amazing is after the whole thing was over with, they went through and picked up baskets of leftovers. They had 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, you're sitting around and you're seeing this happen. You're seeing that, that giant multiplication that came out of, what, uh, five loaves and two fish? Multiplication of five loaves and two fish. And you've seen that. You've seen that happen. You've seen it take place. We pick up in Mark uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 45. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat, head across the lake to Bethsaida, while he sent the people home. In 46, it says, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. At about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once, saying, Don't be afraid. Take courage, for I am here. Then he climbed, Jesus climbed in the boat, and the wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. Now, you're thinking, that probably sounds pretty good. That's a great story, right? That's a great story. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. I prayed for somebody, and they were healed. I was totally amazed. That's a good thing. I went to the ICU, and I prayed for someone in a coma, and then three days later, they were wait, well, I woke up, and they went home on the weekend. I was totally amazed. I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. I've prayed for people that couldn't walk, and I've seen them walk. I was totally amazed. I'm feeling pretty awesome about myself and walking with the Lord. You know, me and the Lord are tight. We're doing great things together, but then... We hit another part here that brings it into reality. In verse 52, it says, For they still did not understand the significance of the miracle of, of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Well, that bites, doesn't it? That bites a little bit. You know, these guys had been for Now, this is after he commissioned them. This is after Jesus said, I, 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 I give you power to cast out demons, to heal the sick and raise the dead. I, I, I tell you to go forth. Go forth and do that. And you know what? They went forth and did it. They saw the sick healed. They saw the dead raised. They saw demons cast out. They did it. Yet, here's an indictment on them that even though they were totally amazed, they didn't understand the significance of what Jesus had just done with the miracles of the loaves because their heart was hardened. You can see miracles happen in the kingdom of God even if your heart is hardened. But the question becomes, how much more of the kingdom could you walk in if your heart was softer? Isn't that good? You know, as a side note, and it's a sidebar, isn't it interesting that these are experienced fishermen, and they're out on the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And these guys aren't, these guys aren't like me going out on a kayak on, on a pond and thinking I'm going to drown, okay? These guys know fishing. They know maritime navigation. They know how to take care of their boat, and they see a storm coming. These guys know that this is a bad storm. This is a really, really bad storm. And they're accomplished fishermen, and yet they're afraid that they're going to die. They're afraid that they're going to die. And isn't it interesting that even though the thing that you think is going to kill you, Jesus walks on top of it and goes, no problem. I mean, you could spend a whole day on that right there, couldn't you? The thing that you think is going to kill you, the biggest thing in your life right now, the thing that you think is haunting you, the thing that is bringing you down in the kingdom, even that thing, the thing that you think is going to kill you, Jesus walks on top of. That's good news. That's good news. All right, back to your hardened heart, and we want to talk more about that, don't we? The reason... These guys were sore amazed. And the, and the King James said they were sore amazed. 
sore amazed. What does that look like? How can you be, oh my gosh, I'm sore amazed. <laughs> I, it's not, whoa, awesomeness, I'm sore amazed. When you're sore amazed, they, they didn't consider what Jesus had already done. And then later on in Mark chapter 8, you see him feeding another group of people. And yet he tells them about the characteristics of a hardened heart. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. Um, you know, most of you probably don't think of yourself as having a hardened heart. I know I didn't. I didn't think I had a hardened heart. You know, I'm not a rapist. I'm not a murderer. I don't go out and rob uh, people at gunpoint. I don't, uh, I don't do crazy stuff. I live pretty much a, a fairly conservative, boring lifestyle. I, I have a, a beautiful wife and a beautiful family. I go to work at 5.30 in the morning. I come home, and my lovely wife usually has a wonderful dinner made. You know, it's pretty routine. It's pretty routine for us. And that's the way these guys were. <laughs> but they had a hardened heart because they didn't consider what Jesus had done. There's no condemnation in this. There's no condemnation even towards me that I had a hardened heart with that, with that guy that I was surprised and shocked that, that the guy was healed. There's no condemnation for me as there's no condemnation for you. Everybody knows that, right? There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But what there is is a shaping of your heart. It's renewing your mind so that your heart can receive what God has for you, right? So what we want to do today is understand that there are problems. There are problems that we experience because we have a hardened heart. And how do we, how do we fix that? How do we fix How do we soften our heart? How do we do that? And one of the ways I found, and you see it in Scripture all the time, is when they, when they focus and they magnify. What you focus and magnify on, that becomes what your heart focuses and magnifies on. If, um, if you're focusing and magnifying on the problem, that becomes bigger and bigger. Then when you magnify, it's like putting it under magnifying glass. If you're worried about how you're going to pay this bill or you're worried about your marriage or you're worried about your kids or you're worried about your job, whatever issue that you're worried about, when you focus and you focus your whole heart on that, that issue becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until that becomes more of an influence on your heart than the actual kingdom of God. So when you, when you find yourself in those situations, because we have responsibility, it's, it's, this is easy. It's easier said than done, maybe, but it's easy to say when you find yourself focusing on those issues that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, then it's time to refocus. It's time to repent. You know, repent doesn't mean get down and wallow in the floor. It means change your mind. Change your mind. Change the way that you think. Quit focusing on your problem. Quit magnifying your problem. And begin magnifying the one who can walk on top of the problem, and it's no problem. Right. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? I was talking with Angie this week. We were uh, praying, and she was concerned about our children because we've had a series of, of kids that, uh, that's, that get sick and they get well and they get sick and they get well and they get sick and they get well. And we've gone through some of that cycle uh, over the last year. And, you know, she and I were sitting down and praying the other night and she said, Mike, I'm just, I'm so weary. I'm weary of this. I'm weary because I don't want the kids to get back the way they were. I mean, they, they, were, they were really sick last year and they're in a better place now. But, you know, one of them's got a little scratchy throat. One of them's got blisters over here. And, and I said, sweetie, I said, no condemnation. And we had this discussion. I said, there's no condemnation here, but you're focusing on that issue. You're focusing all of your heart, all of your thoughts on the fact of the kids being sick. What happens if we just, instead in our prayer time tonight, instead of us focusing on that, what if we magnify God, the one who heals our diseases? What if we begin magnifying him and start talking to him about what he's already done? What if we start thanking him and giving praise for what's already accomplished in the spirit realm? What if we do that instead of saying, oh God, our kids are sick. Oh, they've got, they've got nodules on the side of their throat. So what is up with this? Why? You know, we're going to Myrtle Beach again. What is up with this? Why does the beach and, and sickness all have to go together? I don't understand. No, we need to go change the way we think, <laughs> repent, and say, oh God, praise you. Praise you that you have given us the power and authority over our children. We speak healing. We speak life. We declare it. We decree it. And it shall be established unto us. Amen. See, that happens even in our lives, Okay. But it's okay as long as you realize it. You realize when you're going down that road and you can redirect. Well, you can redirect. We should be blessed when we see the supernatural power of God, not shocked. God built us to walk in the supernatural. 
That should be the natural part of our relationship of Christianity is to experience the supernatural. And I still, and I've experienced a lot of the supernatural of God, and I still to this day sometimes am shocked by it. And I shouldn't be. I should be expecting that because that's an issue of my heart that, that needs softening. It needs softening. So, you know, when, when you're thinking about this this week and you, you, you pray for someone or you see something happen, you go, wow, I didn't know God would do that for me. Think about that. That's, that's probably a condition of a hardened heart that needs to be softened some. I had a buddy of mine just this past week. He and I worked together. And his son had uh, done a year down at the college in Milledgeville. Was that Georgia State College or something? I can't remember. What, that's it. That one's it. The one in Milledgeville. And uh, he had transferred from Milledgeville this past semester to start this fall at Southern Poly. He was going to do a year at Southern Poly up in Marietta and then transfer into Georgia Tech. And on Friday, he learned that there was a hiccup in the Hope Scholarship process. And there was, you know, this guy's a very smart kid. He's a very smart kid, was on Dean's list, made all A's last semester, and they had completed the application down at the Milledgeville School, but not at the Polytechnic School. So Polytechnic says, you're already enrolled in classes, and we need $3,900 just to get going here. And, you know, my friend didn't have $3,900 liquid. He just, he just wasn't in a liquid situation. So um, we, we, we talked about it, and then his wife called, and she was crying and upset and everything. I said, well, why don't we just pray about it, you know? Why don't we just pray about this and focus that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through Christ Jesus? So why don't we just do that and, and believe and receive? So we, we got on the phone with his wife and we prayed. We prayed in my car on the way to lunch. And, and, and we just said, Lord, we thank you that you're opening doors that look closed. We thank you that the provision is already there. We praise you and we just believe right now that we have received what is rightfully Connors, his son. So we hung up the phone. And I said, where do you want to go eat, man? Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. My mind's full of stuff. You go where you choose it. Your mind should not be full of stuff. Your mind should be expecting God to move. We just got through praying. Quit fussing about my mind is full of stuff. Because your mind should be in the expectant mode. And I brought a little heavy hammer there on him. And I said, and I mean it in love. You know I do. You know I do. So shut up. Do you want boneheads or you want to go to the Thai place? Which one is it going to be? We ended up eating Thai. Just because that's the way he likes but that's interesting how here's a guy who walks in the things of God, who believes, who is, who is born again, who loves the Lord with all his heart, and we can pray, and yet he not expect. I say, what did we just do? Did we just have a, a muttering of the words? Is that what we did? You know, did I just waste breath? Did you waste breath? Did, you know, I, I believe that we prayed, God heard, he's listening, he's, he's moving. That's expected, right? Amen. You know, John 14, 12 Jesus said, the things that I do, you will do, and greater things. And folks want to fuss about and say, well, the greater things, they want to talk about over here, and that may be doing other things. Forget about the greater things right now. We're not even doing what he said that he could do. <laughs> Let's get focused on that first before we worry about the second one, okay? You know, Peter's shadow, when he walked, healed the sick. You look at that and you think... Is my shadow healing the sick? Am I going forth and seeing the kingdom come? It's a hardened heart. You know, in this, this country, people ask me, why do you love to go to Brazil? And I'll tell you the biggest reason I love to go to Brazil is because when I'm down there, these people don't have much. They live in, in, in dirt-floored, uh, little paper-thin brick houses. And they don't have much materially, but they got it going on spiritually. They understand when, when a missionary prays for you and a missionary prays for my kid, that kid's going to be healed. 
had a buddy of mine who's a preacher, a Methodist preacher, went down there. He wasn't a Methodist preacher at, the, at this time. He was just going because the Lord had been working in his life. And he was up in the hills. They have favelas down in Brazil. And you hike these hills all over the place. Angie and I did that when even she was pregnant with Alyssa. And we hiked all up in those hills, ministering to the poor in Brazil outside of Rio de Janeiro. And a good friend of mine uh, who was a Methodist pastor, or is now, uh, was up there hiking the hills many years ago. And uh, that day, he got to a house, one of those paper brick thin. I mean, you could throw a rock and the house would fall apart just like that, you know. He, he got to the house, and this woman came out, and she said, in Portuguese, you're a man of God. And she handed him her baby. Rigor mortis had set in. The baby was dead. They didn't have any means to take him to Rio to a, a hospital. They, didn't have any, they couldn't even get down to the clinic in the village that we were in. They didn't have that means. But they believed and they expected that God was going to do a miracle. There was a man of God at my door, and God is going to do a miracle. They handed John this, this baby who was stiff, and John took the baby, and he didn't know what to do. He just held the baby and cried. He held that baby and cried. And do you know, a few minutes later, <gasps> the little baby started breathing. The little baby started breathing again. And that put him on a path from leaving special education. He was a, uh, he was a special education guy, public guy, public school guy. And the special education put him on a path to going to, to Emory to get his master's of divinity. He told me, don't ever do that. They'll try to shipwreck your faith, and they'll do it for six years, and it'll take you six years to get back where you started from, and then you got to go. I thought, oh, that's a word of encouragement, right? <laughs> but he became, he became a Methodist preacher, and a Methodist preacher who operates in power. I know that may be an oxymoron for some folks, but a Methodist preacher who is baptized in the Holy Spirit, who operates in power, who expects God to move when he prays. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And, you know, I come back into the States, and I love getting back to my family. I love going to Brazil, but I love getting back to my family. But when I get back into the States, I realize that the States haven't changed. I've changed, and God's done a work in my heart and broadened my perspectives. But I come back here, and the truth of the matter is the Western world has baptized in unbelief. It is baptized in unbelief. So we more impacted by the unbelief that we're surrounded with all the time. We get more impacted by that than we are the word of God and the, and the power of God working in our lives. So it becomes incumbent on us, especially when you're surrounded by that unbelief, to refocus and magnify God Instead of that, if you allow, if you do nothing and you allow the unbelief that's present in the Western world, if you allow that to be your focus, then that's what your heart's going to be hardened towards, you know? You're going to be hardened towards the things of God because your heart's going to be so influenced by the unbelief that's in the Western world. Isn't that wild? I'm sure you go over to Kenya and uh, we'll hear stories from, uh, from the team that comes back, but here, here, here's a group of people. They expect God to move. They expect God to do something. They expect God is in the business of taking care of his boys and girls. They expect daddy to take care of his family. You know, I think about this all the time when Alyssa this morning, our other kids are off with, with Angie's sister, spent the night over there, but Alyssa was with us this morning, and we went to Waffle House. It's not often we do that, but we went to Waffle House. Sam and I went and we were over at Huntsville, and I had the same thing, just so you know. <laughs> cheese and egg breakfast was good. <laughs> but Alyssa doesn't worry that her daddy's not going to take care of her. Amen. Alyssa, my little daughter, two years old, sits next to me, puts her head on, on my shoulder, and expects that mom and I are going to take care of feeding her. She's not sitting there, oh, God, I'm praying and thanking you that my parents are going to feed me. They're going to feed me today. No, she expects that from us because there's a love connection. There is a love connection. She doesn't beg and plead with mom and I to change her diaper because we do that because there's a love connection. She doesn't beg and plead that mom and I will provide her with clothes because there's a love connection. Amen. How much more from the Heavenly Father 
who loves us, is there a love connection? How much more? How much more can we get our hearts magnifying the fact that our daddy loves us and our daddy wants us to put his, our head on his shoulder. Our daddy just wants us to crawl up in his lap and our daddy wants us to let him take care of us. If we could get to the point where we're magnifying that instead of magnifying the issues and problems and the uh, unbelief that's in the world, how much more of the kingdom would we walk in? God hasn't changed. This isn't, a, this isn't an indictment on God. You understand that, right? God hasn't changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's us who have changed. It's our heart and our perspective and where we're focusing on. That's what's changed. When we change our heart and our focus, we go back to the unchangeable, immutable God. We go back to what God has intended from the get-go. We go back to what he intended from the very beginning. And, I mean, when you give the entire world to two people, do you think that God might have had abundance in mind? <laughs> I'm not preaching prosperity gospel, but I'm saying God created an entire earth with everything on it for two people. Do you think he had abundance in mind in his heart? Is it our fault? Yeah. I was hoping somebody would answer that, but... So that, that usually goes over like that. It was, is it our fault? Yes. Is it our fault that we, have, that we have hardened our hearts? Absolutely. But that makes it easy for us to fix. <coughs> makes it easy for us to fix because we, we, what we've been focusing on, remember what I taught last time we talked about meditation? And what you focus your heart on, what you see, that becomes reality. If you continue to focus your heart on those things that have happened in your life, those struggles and the issues that you're facing, those become reality. What if you begin seeing and focusing on what God sees as reality? What if you did that? Would your heart become softer toward the things of God? Would you be able to receive because the heart and heart's the only things keeping us from receiving. God's not moving anymore. It's finished. It's done, okay? We all know that. We all know that it's a completed work of the cross. And we're not moving God. God's already moved. He's already done what he's going to do. And we're just moving our heart to get it in line with what he's already done. So it's not that... Oh, look, I prayed for this thing for, for 10 years. I've prayed for this thing for 10 years, and God finally answered. Oh, I tell you, I held on to the horns of the altar, and he came through for me. I shook it like this, and the jackpot fell out. No, he already did that before. You're just getting your heart. It took you 10 years to get your heart to be able to receive. Amen. He knows how long it's going to take. He does. He starts when he does. Come on. You don't have to grab hold of the horns of altar and shake it to make sure that God's going to give you what he's going to give you. He's already given it to you. He wants you to have it, and he wants you to get your heart in line. It didn't take him 10 years to get that to you. It took you 10 years to get your heart finally squared up with what God wanted you to see in the first place. If you could fast forward that a little bit, it would, it would shorten the time between a yes and amen. Yeah, fast forward. God's put the fast forward on you. He got the fast forward. You know, folks used to say in the South, Angie loves what I say. I say, he got the cancer on him. He got the drunk on him. See, that's a Southern thing. People just say that, right? They do. You could get the fast forward on you. Get the God fast forward on you. Just by refocusing. Refocusing your heart. Get the God fast forward on you. And, and, and shorten that time between yes and Amen. Yes and amen. All promises are yes and amen. Sometimes, though, because our heart isn't in line with God, it's yes. <laughs> amen. <laughs> so how do you know if you have a hardened heart? We'll wrap up with this. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus tells us how you know if you have a hardened heart. Um, First thing he talks about, you have a problem of perceiving. Do you have a problem perceiving spiritual truths? If you have a problem perceiving, 
you may be a person who reads the Bible, and, you know, and there are some days that I pick up the Bible and I can read, and I can read one chapter or one verse, and I feel like God's just going, oh, Kofi, here you go. It's down low time. You're going to get it. Come on. And I just receive, receive, receive. And there's other days I read the entire book and go, okay, I just read the book. What did I read? <laughs> if your heart is hardened, you'll notice it's your perception. Sometimes it's difficult to perceive spiritual truth. That's why sometimes Dean can say something up here and go, I've read that, I've read that verse 15 times, never got that out of there. Because towards my, that thing that Dean was talking about, my heart was hardened. Perception. If you have difficulty perceiving spiritual truth, you may have a hardened heart. Understanding spiritual truth. There's a difference between perceiving and understanding, you see. Understanding spiritual truth, you may be able to perceive it, but to actually understand it and grasp it in your inner man, if you're having difficulty understanding it, and that might be that you have a hardened heart. Jesus said, for those who have ears to hear, eyes to see, listen up. Now, he wasn't talking about guys that were walking around that had cauliflower ears. You know, all of them had real ears. They had real ears like we have. They had real eyes like we have. He was talking about an ability to hear and see with the Spirit. If those who have ears to hear in the Spirit, let them hear. Those who have eyes to see, let them see in the Spirit. You ever uh, go to the grocery store and there's a mama pushing the grocery cart and she's just told little baby, no, you cannot have a Snickers bar. <laughs> and you know that baby goes to screaming. <laughs> Pitching a fit right there in the middle of the Kroger. Back when I was a kid, it said, be quiet, boy. I'll take you to Kmart and spank your behind. Because <laughs> that's where mamas went to spank their kids was at Kmart. That's my perception, at least, when I was a kid. <laughs> it did. That's why they closed Kmart. <laughs> they thought they'd get child abuse on them or something. That mom who's pushing that kid in the, in the grocery cart... And the, and the baby's crying. The mom's over there checking off her list, getting her things. She has hardened her heart to that baby crying. She's not hearing or seeing. Because no matter what she does, baby's going to pitch a fit. Now, the rest of the store has not hardened their heart to the baby crying. They're going, would you please make the baby be quiet? How many of you have flown on a plane before and the one right behind you, the kid fly, uh, flies with you for eight hours four hours, wherever you want to go, and the whole time the kid's screaming. You know, mom's back there sleeping like a, like a baby while the baby's over there screaming. The rest of us, would you please make your kid be quiet? It's because she has hardened her heart to hear the voice of that baby. You know, I work at the radio station, and we broadcast on 104.7. And you can tune in, and you can listen. But if you decided one day that you don't want to listen to 104.7, maybe you're in a rock and roll mood. Maybe you need a little classic hits, uh, 97.1. You want some of the river coming down the road. You flip down the aisle. You got into 97.1. That doesn't mean that 104.7 quit broadcasting. It just means that your receiver is on a different channel. Yeah, that's right. God doesn't quit broadcasting. God always broadcasts his goodness to you. God always broadcasts what he wants you to see in the kingdom. And it's a matter of you being tuned into the right frequency. You might, be on, you might be on Power 96.1 and hanging out with Iggy Azalea, but Jesus want to talk to you on a different channel. Good time rock and roll might be playing, but Jesus want to talk to you on the other channel. You might go crying, loving, and leaving on the country station, but Jesus want to talk to you on the other channel. You can harden your heart to where God's speaking, but you've got the opportunity to retune. Isn't that good? That's good news, right? That means we can retune to where God's speaking. The other thing, so we've got perception, understanding, hearing and seeing, and the final thing to find out, do you have a hardened heart? Is do you have trouble remembering things? Do you have trouble remembering spiritual truths that God has spoken to you? Maybe something was revealed to you a year or two ago 
and you were so excited about that word. Maybe somebody spoke prophetically into your life, and it resonated with you so well, but you can't remember it today because you've let life get in the way. You've got spinning plates and everything. You're, you're constantly spinning the plates, and you've let life get in the way of your connection with God, and all of a sudden... That word that meant so much to you two years ago means nothing now because you can't remember what the word is. You ever had that happen? Yeah. So, perceiving spiritual truth, understanding that spiritual truth, hearing and seeing, or the lack thereof, and an inability to remember. If those things are going on, there may be parts of your heart that's hardened. Not necessarily good news, but the good news is, when you seek God and you focus on him with all your heart, you begin to perceive and understand and begin to hear from God. And you remember spiritual truths that he's already placed in you. It's all about the focus of your heart. So if there's any one thing that you take away today, is refocus. If you're having trouble perceiving what God's doing in your life, if you're having trouble understanding what God is doing, the goodness of God, if you're having trouble uh, hearing and seeing from God, or if you're having trouble remembering what God has done in your life, it's easy. Refocus your heart and begin magnifying the Lord. Begin putting him above the problems that you're facing. Begin putting him above the problems of the sick kids, above the problems of how we're going to pay for college, above the problems of, of, uh, of, of what are we going to do the next five years of our life. Begin putting him above those things as you perceive as the biggest problem in your life. Begin focusing on him. Put the magnifying glass on him, and all of a sudden you'll see after a little bit of time because you're getting your heart moved back, turning your heart toward home. There's a guy, Jim Daly from Focus on the Family. He would always say at the end of his broadcast, he said, now as we turn our hearts toward home, that's what we got to do. We got to turn our hearts toward home because we're passing through here, folks. Home is with Jesus. We turn our hearts toward home and begin focusing on him, and our hearts become pliable. They become very soft again. You'll be able to be able to hear and see, and it'll be a Amazing because God wants that connection. He wants that high-speed wireless connection that he was the inventor of. He wants it. He wants it for you. He wants it for me. He wants it for his children. He wants to be the daddy that you run to. He wants to be the daddy you put your head on his shoulder. He wants to be the daddy that takes care of you. Will you let him? Because a hardened heart makes you dull. A hardened heart makes you dull. And the things you focus on that make you hardened heart will make you dull of hearing. And, you know, people always say that there's that chance with the, the grace folks, and there's people that, that go sideways with this, that we're giving you a license to sin. No, you did fine without a license before. <laughs> did you didn't need a license to sin. The, the reason that, that you don't sin and the reason that you don't sin is because God gives you the power. He empowers you by his grace not to sin. But, but because when, if you do sin, you do have an advocate in Jesus. But when you do sin, the thing that happens is your heart is hardened. Toward that area in your life, your heart becomes hardened to hearing from God. And the more times you, you sin, it's like dipping the candle. And the more times you dip the candle, the bigger and bigger the wax candle gets. That's how much harder and harder your heart gets in that particular area of your life. So you, the only way to fix that, refocus and let God's love burn it away. Let God's love burn it away. The hardened heart was not the way God intended for it to be. He intended for us to be walking lock, stop, and barrel with him. And if you're suffering from a hardened heart today in any area of your life, and all of us, if, you've, if you examine yourself, you'll find areas in one way or the other that you are suffering from. Humble yourself before the Lord and ask him to reveal what that area is and then begin focusing on his provision, his goodness in that area. And you'll see that that hardness of your heart, that, that callous that's there, that'll wear away. That'll wear away and you'll begin to experience the kingdom in your life in that Way. God is good, and he intends for us to walk in his goodness. The praise and worship team come back up. We're, we're about done here. Um, he so wants to connect with each and every one of us. He so desires to have 
that daddy-child relationship. How difficult are we making it for that to happen? <laughs>